back to another episode of Caught Looking, a baseball podcast hosted by myself, Max Greenfield, and my co-host, Ryan Garcia. Ryan, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm doing some extremely late Christmas shopping, uh, which, you know, self-admittedly not great. Uh, but uh, what I will say, Max, is that um, it's a great time. I mean, this has been a great offseason for news. I mean, not, not in terms of how they've been broken, but in terms of some stunning storylines, some fun days on Twitter. Um, you know, I can't I, look, I know that people say that the offseason has been boring and to some extent it has at times, but when, it, when it heats up, it it's pretty crazy. You know, I gotta, I gotta say when it heats up, it does get crazy. Now I respect that. I think this is a better offseason than people think it, it, it actually is. Uh, I think it's a pretty solid offseason, but I understand where I, I mean, it hasn't been filled with like a ton of big moves. I mean, the three best players on the market, if you include trades have been moved, um, there was just some space in between all of them, which I honestly think is kind of fun because it gives you some opportunity to dissect that move, understand where the pivots might be, and then kind of give yourself some time to see some more analysis and everything. It was basically what about a week in between each of Soto Otani and Yamamoto, right? I'd say about a week or so. Um, so yeah, I mean, Definitely a, a more fun pot, uh, part of the offseason than people think. Though we did get into a Paul Skeens versus Yoshinobu Yamamoto and how much would Paul Skeens get on the open market today debate because of this where we're at in the offseason. So I do understand people saying it's not that great. Um, got to get on your Christmas shopping though, dude. Like you got to do it early. I, I had to get some last minute stuff yesterday. Um, I was uh, maybe scrambling a little bit just for some ideas. Well, I heard most I, of it. It's just a few things. I bought all of like the big stuff. It was mainly just uh, the stocking stuffers. And I'm saying this as someone who did not celebrate Christmas for basically the first uh, 21 years of his life because I, I'm not Christian or Catholic or anything like that. And I don't celebrate Christmas. Uh, stocking stuffers, dumb, dumb. I hate it. I don't know what those are. I, you so you know stocking right yeah yeah you put like small gifts and stuff in the stocking uh for the person and everything like that gotcha so I, I like i bought some stuff for my fiance and everything but i've done this now for like three four years i'm no no i'm hey i'm, I'm okay if it never happens again now see my fiance Got has it. just come out i you can keep this in Keep this in. My fiance has come out and given me a look after I said that stocking suffers were dumb. I do not care. I stand by it. I stand by it. Um, but I, I've look. I've not seen you this animated about a baseball take. So like this is this is the first time Max you, you've gone like an actual rant on the podcast, like a real genuine rant. This is I, it. I'm, and it's about stocking suffers. That's I'm what usually, the people. That's usually, what the people came to hear. Damn it. Yeah, that's what they're here for. You know, hey, we are a baseball podcast second. We are a, a stocking stuffers podcast first, as we've advertised multiple times. Completely agree. Uh, moving on to what's actually important. You know, the big news is that Yoshinobu Yamamoto signed with the Los Angeles Dodgers for a 12-year, $325 million contract, including a $15 million signing bonus and about $50 million posting fee on top of that. Uh, so the total cost of Yoshinobu Yamamoto is about $375 million. Um, it came to sort of, you know, a bit of a, a grind a bit in the week prior, him meeting with teams and everything. You know, he met with the uh, Giants in San Francisco. Then he met with teams in LA. And then he flew to the East Coast to meet with the Mets and the Yankees one more time. 
Um, and then from there, it was just about trying to find the right deal and everything. And, you know, it, it, he settled on the Dodgers and, you know, the Mets also made an offer for 12 years, 325 million. Um, it sounds like they also included opt-outs in years six and years eight or nine, I think. Uh, and the Mets uh, and the Yankees did a 10, $300 million offer uh, with an opt-out after year five. But neither team reportedly had a signing bonus, though it does make it seem like they didn't really have a chance to give a signing bonus. Ryan, what's your reaction to you know the signing? And do the Dodgers have this supposed super team that everyone says they do? Yeah, so I'm going to be honest with you, man. Uh, I'm obviously heartbroken. You know, I'm, I'm obviously a very heartbroken man about it because I had a team that was very much in the running that was the finalist, and that was the New York Yankees. Um, but let's talk about this. Like, I'm going to talk about this from a baseball perspective, not from a Yankee perspective. I, I mean, from any perspective, I think he's worth the money because of the team who gave it to him. The Los Angeles Dodgers are a smart and calculated team. They would not hand out that contract just willy-nilly for a player who isn't worth that money. The evaluation of him was clearly great. They're in, the Yankees' evaluation of him was good enough to offer $300 million. For the Mets, it was good enough to offer $325, right? Like, these teams were willing to pay this guy like he was a Garrett Cole or like he was a... I mean, yeah, like he was a Garrett Cole. Like there is no other comparison financially for $300 million, you know? He beat Garrett Cole's contract by one, you know, one million, but like still that shows where they were at. Yeah, no, like, I mean, it's something that the, these teams were serious. So he's worth that money, in my opinion. And, you know, those are some, those are three teams led by some very smart people. Andrew Freeman, Brian Cashman, and, and David Stearns get into a room and talk about a player and whatever their evaluation is, is likely going to be that evaluation of that player or what that player ends up putting up. These are three very smart people. So, you know, end of the day, I just, I really do think that he's going to be an excellent pitcher. He's going to probably the best or second best organization. Rays aren't realistic. So the best organization a free agent could go to, to get better, right? Um, he's going to be in a great, I mean, he's going to be electric. He's going to be box office. The Dodgers are box office. That is a star-studded team. That is a, I mean, he's going to be a great player. I really do truly believe Yoshino Yamamoto is going to be like a Cy Young winner, multi, you know, a superstar. And, you know, the Dodgers just the Dodgers just flexed their financial muscle. They just wanted this guy a little bit more, you know? And it seemed like Yamamoto wanted them a little bit more as well. So, based off what I've read and what people have told me that are smarter than me and may or may not be involved in potentially this pursuit of Yoshinobu Yamamoto was the Mets kind of offered, uh, not kind of, they offered that 12, 325 uh, off the bat. And then Joel Wolf, Yamamoto's agent went to other, went to other teams and everything, and including the Yankees and the Dodgers and went to the Yankees and said, you know, the Mets are doing 12, 325. Do you want to match that? Cashman said, we feel pretty good about our 10, 300, you know, opt out after year five, higher AAV. And, you know, at the time, very reasonable. Honestly, even in hindsight, I'd still say very reasonable. Then call the, you know, the Dodgers, you know, from what I've gathered, you know, using agent tactics as they do and everything. He basically says, you know, 12, three, you know, if you match the Mets offer, he's, he's yours. Like, he'll take it. AKA the Yankees are not going to match it. So if you match it, he's yours. Um, and they did. And that was a bit unexpected. The industry expectation was that the Dodgers would have a line that they would not cross. 
But Friedman just, you know, he has that line of, if you're rational about every free agent, you're going to finish in third place. And he just said, we got to have this guy. He's totally worth it. We need the arms. And, you know, there was an article from LB.com about like ranking which team most needs Yoshinobu Yamamoto. I think the Dodgers were what fourth or something like that. I think you very easily could have made the art given that they were actually one. They need innings desperately. And I think Yamamoto is a guy you can bank on for at least 150 innings. And that's what they need. You could also make the argument that the Mets were number one, and I would have listened to that too, but I think the Dodgers were number one. And so they acted like it. They acted like they needed Yoshinobu Yamamoto. And I would agree that they actually did. Um, not that the Mets and Yankees did, but they acted with that aggressiveness. And so, you know, Dodgers are now at 12, 325. They say, Hey, we'll give a, you know, $50 million signing bonus on top of it, or sorry, within it, I should say. And that allows for Yamamoto to basically lower the AAV on one hand, which allows them to, again, potentially spend more money, which it sounds like they will. Because uh, they are the Dodgers and they're an extremely well-ran organization and a machine, but then the agent goes back to the Yankees and says, "Hey, the Dodgers matched the Mets' offer. Do you want a counter-offer?" And Cashman probably sat there and thought about it and you know said, "If I match that offer, he's we're it's not over. We're going to keep going." And then I'm just going to get into a bidding war with Steve Cohen and the Dodgers, the team that he ultimately wants to go to. So why waste my time? And said, nope. And they, the agent told him, all right, then he's going to be a Dodger. And that's it. That's what it came down to. Like, do I think Cashman's wrong? No. I, like, I understand that people are like, well, they should have just matched it just to match it. Again, now you're just in a bidding war with Steve Cohen, who didn't get the chance to match it. The agent did not go back to the Mets. As soon as he got the Dodgers to match it, that's it. It was over for both the Yankees and Mets. Because if the Yankees had matched it, then he would have just gone back to the Dodgers and said, hey, the Yankees matched. Do you want to up your offer? They probably would have said yes. Again, they had already crossed the threshold of what they were comfortable with. They were willing to go get him. So uh, you're just entering a bidding war to lose out on a guy who probably did maybe want to go to probably want to go to the Yankees, but not more than he wanted to go to the Dodgers. So he got the contract he wanted from the team that he wanted to go to. Again, uh, using the thought process of why waste your time? I get it. Why waste your time? Great for the Dodgers. They're an absolute machine. Um, you got the two best players in the free agent market. Um, you spent a billion dollars. Not actually, but actually, I guess. Um, and it led to... What's what's interesting, though, is I, I, they're still not projected to have the most wins in the league. Did you see that? It's the Braves by still a significant margin, too. By about five. By about it's five wins. Yeah. It's interesting, definitely. Because it's something to keep in mind then. On. I think for two reasons. One, that rotation is extremely risky. That rotation is Yamamoto, Bueller coming off Tommy John, and Bueller post, you know, sticky stuff ban. Uh, pretty big question mark. And then he got Tommy John, so that didn't help. Uh, Tyler Glass now, who has, 
now the way he talks about his surgery and everything like that. And he's like, yeah, my elbow feels healthy for the first time in my life. Like, you know, best shape of your life type lingo, but still, you know, it's still a risk. He's never thrown more than 120 innings in a season. Um, then you have uh, Bobby Miller and Emmett Sheehan. Now, I like Bobby Miller a lot, so I think that'll work out. But I have some questions about Sheehan too. It's a risky rotation. And then in the outfield, like Hayward, Outman, Taylor. Uh, who else is another outfield option that they have? DeLuca's got Margot. Margot now. It, it's like good, not great. Right. Like that, that would, I would say if you, if they had a flaw offensively, I would say that they don't have like a great outfielder. They just have Outman who's good, but how much better is he reasonably going to get? Right. It's, it's so. also like a matter of Hayward and um, Taylor are both players who could just randomly have a 90 WRC plus. It is right. Well, in the realm of possibility, not necessarily the median outcome, but the median outcome is average. When the median outcome is average, just being slightly below makes you like liabilities when there's two of you at the same position. Correct. I so, still think they're going to be very good. We're just nit- look, we're talking about the best team well, in baseball. We're just being nitpicky because we're talking about the best team in baseball. You know what I mean? Like, so it led to a lot of discussions about, well, all the Dodger, you know, are the Dodgers ruining baseball by spending all this money and everything like that. And I think it was, it was interesting to me because people at both ends of the ends of the spectrum were like, very weird right you had people at the low end who were just like oh spending all that money is bad and everything because the small markets don't have a chance who cares if the if your owner can't spend like that then they shouldn't be owning a team i'm sorry like get a better owner they're billionaires they can find a way they can spend that money they absolutely can to say that they can't is crazy um and at the other end, I saw somebody was like, yeah, I mean, they're doing all this to what? Improve their World Series odds by like 4%. Again, who cares? Like, that's like not the point. Yes, it does not dramatically improve your World Series odds. But that's also missing the point. You're doing, you should do everything you can to improve your odds. Whatever yeah. it may be. The, like, Yes, people were making jokes about, oh, they'll just lose in the first round. I get it. It's an easy joke to make, whatever. But the point, I saw the people making the legitimate argument was like, good for them, but this doesn't really change anything. How does it not change anything? They got the two best players on the market. They got arguably the greatest player in baseball history. They got a 25-year-old ace. They got a lot better. And you're saying, oh, it doesn't really matter, or oh, this is bad for baseball. Both of those are stupid. <laughs> like both of those are wrong. And I saw so much of it. Yeah. It just drove me mad. I just it was terrible. Dude, the dialogue is just it's bad. It Both was so is. it was so bad. It was not just like, hey, look at this historic contract being signed and look at how great the players are doing. A guy who has not thrown a pitch. In Major League Baseball, got technically speaking, the largest contract ever given out for a pitcher. That's great. That's so good for baseball. It's so good for the players. Because yeah. now, when you know the next phenom that's twenty four or twenty three, you know, 
becomes a free agent at 27 or something like that, they're going to get paid. They're exactly. going to make a ton of money. Like, I just, the the discourse, dude, it bothered me so much. But, I mean, where do the Dodgers go from here? Do you think they, they keep, I think they have to, I think they should try and get like a depth pitcher. Luis Severino would have been perfect, but he's a Met. They should get Frankie Montas then. Like that would be kind of funny too. Like that. that, that I, would be I mean, they're probably not. Like he's probably going to be a Yankee. But like, but... It, like I'm just saying, like it would be kind of funny. Like Sean Benaya makes a lot of sense. That would also be a like a great move. Like I, then he would also immediately be good, and I would look smart for saying he's good. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because Shelby, you see that Shelby Miller signed with the uh, Tigers for like a one year with an option. Yeah, type contract. Um, which. Dude, I don't like he was really good last year when he pitched. He's got health problems, obviously. You know, you have to you have to kind of wrestle with that and everything. But I mean, he was really good. And it's totally not that unheard of that he's basically a better volumed Shelby Miller, Sean Manaya for the Dodgers. Like I could totally see how yeah. they make that case. Yeah, no, I mean, end of the day, man. Um, you know, look, I the injury risk with pitchers at this point is, I think, universal. And I don't think we can look at it and say, like, oh, you know, like, how many workhorses are there? Oh, they're not workhorses, excuse me. How many, like, durable starting pitchers are there, like, legitimately? You know what I mean? Like, just not at all going to get hurt. No risk involved. You know what I mean? None. Right. So, like, if you can pay and, and the deficiency is health, it's like, at, to some extent, you're paying, for, you're paying you know, a player with, you know, a, a health risk. You know, you are. Miller's going to cost you a few million. It's it's not enough money that you even have to worry about if you DFA him. It's, you know what I mean? When you enter that territory of money where if they get DFA'd, it does not change your, it does not really hurt your payroll or limit you that much. That's a good thing. You weren't a, sh you know, you weren't $4 million away from signing a player, most likely. You know? Like, you weren't $4 million away from not signing Erod. You weren't, like, $4 million away from other, you know, pressing needs. So, I, th I don't know. I think it's a perfect signing. That's the exact type of money you want to sign a player for. And... You know, I know I'm geeking out a little bit about like financials, but it's cool when, when you get to sign a player that can impact your team like Miller and the like the, the risk is literally nothing. That's a huge win. It's a huge win because if he's that great pitcher and, you know, either you're in contention, and he helps you win or you're not in contention and you get something really good back for him. There have been some very good players traded for these type of deals. Teoscar Hernandez was traded for what? He was traded for, um, it was Francisco Liriano, no? Uh, when he got traded to the Blue Jays, yeah, I believe so. So think about that. You can get a friend. You can get a guy like Teoscar Hernandez out of these type of deals. You know, like there are some really good players that have been traded in these kinds of like just number fifteenth prospect with good tools that just they click when they go into the other organization. I mean the the obvious one is, though it it's got an asterisk by his like Yordan for Josh Fields like right bit of an asterisk there because of the uh, you know rumor that the Astros actually wanted to sign Jordan in international free agency, but couldn't because they didn't have enough money. So they just said, hey, the Dodgers said, we'll give you Josh Fields if we sign him. And I was like, okay. Maybe that's you know out there or not. But there, still there's still bad, no, because you're basically saying, yeah, we'd rather have. Yeah, it's a little like you get some collusion stuff in there too and everything. That's, you know, that's not good. It's it's all around just ugh, rough. But yeah, I mean, like, you, like the Dodgers believed in Shelby Miller. Now he gets paid by the Tigers. Good for them. Underrated. The Tigers are having a pretty damn good offseason, too. 
They've got they've low key got a little pitching factor going there. They're like if if Riley Green can stay healthy, I really like that team. Like, you know, as we'll talk about in a bit when we give out a bit of a surprise at, at the end of the episode. But I, I really like that Tigers team. They're pretty good. But Ryan, the Yankees missed out on Yoshinobu Yamamoto. The Mets did too. The Giants, a couple other teams. There's still plenty of pitchers out there on the market, as we talked about with Frankie Montas and Sean Manaya to name two. But where do those teams go from here? Um, Yankees, uh, if Montgomery's price is, you know, within 140 to $150 million, I think that's what they should do. Gives them a reliable starter. They need reliable starters. Um, and he fulfills the prophecy of being Andy Pettit. So, you know, that's that's really a glorious, beautiful thing. That's exactly what we need. Um, you know, Frankie Montas, I think, could happen alongside Montgomery. I wouldn't say it's a necessity, but I would like to see it because a world in which you're running six starters, where you have six MLB starters, guys who have pitched the major league level and have had some range of success. You have Cole, Rodon, Montgomery, Cortez, uh, Montas, and Schmidt, and then Will Warren is your seventh starter. That's exactly how they should be set up. You know, I think that 2022 rotation should be the blueprint as to what they're trying to do here. They aren't going to be able to find a superstar to put right behind Garrett Cole, but they just need a group of guys who can be solid enough, right? Cortez was really good that year, which helped. I understand. But I think if you're taking a flyer on Montas, Cortez, uh, Montgomery, and Rodon, one of those four guys have a chance to repeat what Cortez was for that team, which is what? A three and a half, four pitcher, roughly four, four pitcher, somewhere in that range. Um, and the rest of the rotation was what? It was Monty, about league average starter. Montas didn't really help the team that much. Herman, league average. Tyone, league average. You know, like. That was the basically, it was just two really good pitchers and a bunch of just solid guys. That's what they need this year. Um, and then for, I guess, to make the Mets, a bunch of one-year deals. Manaya um, is great for them. That would be perfect. Uh, Montas is another guy you should be looking into. Um, trying to think of other guys. Uh, oh, they have Quintana already, which is nice. I think that's the guy they could flip at the deadline if it comes down to that. There is a chance I think the Mets compete. Not saying that they're going to be very good, but it's the National League. The National League isn't very good. So there's like a fringe, they're like fringe contenders in mind. They're like 80 to 82 wins. I don't know if that's crazy to say, Max. Um, but, you know, they have some good young players. I don't know. Um, looking at some of the other teams, the Red Sox also need Jordan Montgomery. So that'll be a fun little battle for those two teams if it comes down to a battle. Though, Max, maybe I'm wrong. Uh, it doesn't look like the Yankees are going to battle for Monty. They're just going to be like opportunistic. Like, hey, okay, the market's right. Let's do this. It's not like they're going to say, Hey, if the Mets, the Red Sox offer 150, we won't care. But it's more like if the Yankees offer 135, and that's what their number is, they're not going to go much higher than that, you know? Yeah, if he's literally saying, "Here's my offer. Go to other other teams and see if you find anything better. If you don't, come back." Pretty much, and yeah, he's got history there. It is interesting that because you know when he left, there's a lot of hoopla, and Yankee fans continue to say this, and we've talked about it before. The Yankees. Did not let him throw his four-seam fastball because it was not a very good pitch. Goes to the Cardinals. They say throw it more. It works for a little bit because he's playing bad teams. And all of a sudden, he starts to face good teams. It starts getting crushed. And he goes back to being what the Yankees wanted him to be. A 40-something percent sinker guy who threw his changeup and curveball off of that sinker. Guess what happened? <laughs> Found that level of success. He got just a little bit more mature. I think the Rangers and Cardinals allowed him to work deeper in the games almost out of necessity, but also because he was earning it. That's something the Yankees did not allow him to do. 
that you can argue that that's the problem with what how it went for the Yankees in Montgomery, but not because of the fastball thing. Stop saying that. It's just agitating how dumb that narrative is. But he's got history there, and it was interesting to see that as kind of like, you know, I believe there was that article written about like he still talks to guys from the Yankees. He's got nothing but respect and love for the organization because they were really good to him and everything. And you know, he's like, I got nothing against those guys. I think that he would welcome going back there and everything. I'm not sure how thrilled he'd be about shaving, but like, you know, I, I think that's possible. I, the Red Sox should be all over Montgomery. Um, so, you know, from what we've kind of heard is that the, the Red Sox were kind of capped on what they could offer Yamamoto, which means they're probably going to be capped on what they can offer Montgomery. And that's concerning. I, like, I don't, if the Red Sox do not get Jordan Montgomery, Though I think they could. And, you know, if you had to ask me who's the favorite right now, I'd probably say they are the favorites for Montgomery. But if they put a cap on it, I mean, if they say, yeah, we can't spend more than $135 million on Jordan Montgomery. Yeah. Like, that's kind of rough. I don't know where the Red Sox go if they can't get Jordan Montgomery. Because I honestly it's looking like more of the same with Craig Breslow as they had with Heim Bloom. And I don't think that's a knock on Craig Breslow. I want to be clear about that. That's not anything against Craig Breslow. This is an indictment of ownership. They're just not trying. It's pathetic. I mean, it's absolutely pathetic. Like this sucks. Like uh, objectively, this sucks for multiple reasons. Number one, um, well, I'm a Yankee fan, so I'm obviously like, I'm kind of enjoying this, but. As a baseball perspective, I want to clarify, this is not a Yankee podcast, so I'm not going to speak like a Yankee fan here. Um, but, you know, this is a big market team. Um, I don't think this team, like, I I, I think this uh, this a little more of them than the Mets. Like, I'm like, hey, the Mets, they can, you know, they can kind of make, like, there's a, they can make some noise. They can make the playoffs. I genuinely believe, considering the American League, even in the AL East, that the Mets, the Red Sox were Yoshinobi on mode away from saying, all right, I'm picking them to take a third wild card spot. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think that's an outrageous take. You add Yoshinobu Yamamoto, you know, now you have Yamamoto, you know, you have Bayo, you have Crawford, uh, you have, I mean, I know Snell sale somewhere in there. Um, I know I'm forgetting somebody in that rotation or in that pitching staff. Um, but that's not a bad, like, that's not, Pavetta, Pavetta was pretty good for them. Like, this is not a bad pitching staff. This is, like, pretty solid. You know what I mean? They've got, they're going to have, you know, they added Tyler O'Neill. I like that flyer. They look like they're about to, you know, have a good chance to add uh, a guy like um, a guy, say Oscar Hernandez. That would not also be a really good get for them. They have young enough players that they're kind of volatile. Trevor Story is a little bit of an X factor. Yoshida, like how much better does he get in year two? They are just a, not that they're just a few pieces away, but they really were one frontline starter away from being like legitimate. All right. This team probably has like a 50% chance to make the postseason. It's a like this is different than the NFL and the NBA. Just being able to make the postseason gives you a chance to win the World Series. Yep. So obviously, like they're a big market team, their fans expect a lot. This is just disappointing. And you fired a guy because of this. You fired Heim Bloom because you didn't, you know, of how you felt regarding his decisions. I don't even know what they're gonna like. What? Why did they even fire Heim Bloom at this point? It was pointless. Nothing changed. Literally, nothing changed. Yeah, it's. I just don't. They said they were like, we're going to, we're doing everything we can to win. And I think that's good. I think, we, we, you know, when we're speaking about the Dodgers, if it's good for baseball, I think people have to understand that when big market teams try to win, that's 
good for baseball. It's good for the health of the sport. Now, people turn around and be like, well, why did they say it's bad when the Padres tried to win? It's not. That's also good. Teams trying to win is good for the sport, big or small market. But when the Dodgers, the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Cubs, when they make a push to spend money, you could argue that's better for the health of the sport because they bring in more fans. Now, I'm not saying that's necessarily, you know, an indictment or anything, or maybe people will be like, that's not fair. That's not true. I feel like it is though. When the big markets spend and the big markets are in it, viewership goes up. Ratings go up. Yeah. That's just the reality. I'm not sitting here and citing the world series viewership and everything like that. And the ratings, I feel like that's a bit unique, but let's be honest, Ryan, if it were Yankees Dodgers in the world series, the ratings for that would be astronomical. Yeah. Like, you know, there's nothing baseball. Like I'm not going to say baseball is always better when those two teams are really good because not everybody's a fan of those teams. So not everybody would agree with that statement. And I understand that. Um, but what I mean more so is like when it comes to, you know, the good of competitive uh, of competition. Yeah. Those two teams always being good usually helps in that regard because baseball isn't a sport that succumbed to the issues of variance the way that we see or the issues of not very non-variance where we have no parity in the NBA. It feels like sometimes not much parity in the NFL. There's kind of like having a team that's clearly better than the other creates more of these underdog situations and creates more of these great stories. You know, when the two, like the, the 1998 Yankees exist so that the 2001 Diamondbacks exist, if that makes any, if that makes any sense to you, you know what I mean? Or the 2003 Marlins. The reason the 2003 Marlins exist is because the 2003 Yankees exist. Yep. Not saying that the Yankees made the Marlins relevant, but I'm just saying there is an added, I feel like. They it's, beat it's the almost, Yankees, right? This is, yeah, it's just more they, so me saying. They beat that big market team. They yeah, beat it's, that big market foe. It's good for baseball because the Yankees will win, sure, but the Yankees will also lose and lose big. Not just, you know, sheepishly to the or Astros, but a good Yankee team will lose to a team like, I don't know, the, I mean, like a team like the Orioles in the postseason or eventually at some point. Beating a twins. big market in the postseason. When the Red Sox get beat in the postseason, the Yankees get beat in the postseason, when the Dodgers get beat, it's big news. It drives storylines. The Diamondbacks swept the Dodgers. That was big news. That was a big deal because it's the Dodgers and also because they're extremely well-ran. When the big markets are in it, more people watch. That's just the truth. And so when the big markets are in it, there's more opportunity for them to get more people to watch and also more opportunity to see them lose. If you want to be that guy who's like, yeah, well, I don't like those teams. Well, guess what? Then you can watch them lose, right? I mean, that's just, if they're in it and they're trying to win, then you have the opportunity to see them fail. Because, and this is, as Jeff Passon said, in the last 10 years, 14 MLB teams made have, have made the World Series and nine have won. In the last 25 years, 20 have made it and 16 have won. Over both those spans, that's more different winners than the NFL, NBA, and NHL. There is just a natural parity to the game of baseball that you cannot get in other sports. You need the big markets to try because it creates this 
I mean, essentially interest, it creates interest. And that's how people discover the Diamondbacks. That's how people can discover the Orioles. And that's how people who are watching because they know that the Dodgers or the Yankees or the Red Sox or the Cubs are in it, they can become fans of those teams that are playing against the big markets. It's not just, oh, it drives viewership and then those viewership goes to the big markets. No, they could want to watch to watch them lose. They could want to watch to watch them win too. But the point is that they're getting more people, and that's what you want. That's what you want. I want more people to watch baseball, Ryan. That's it. That's all I want. Also, uh, from the team perspective, if you're the Red Sox, you want to be able to charge more for tickets and sell out the ballpark. Not you, sure what more they're More people come if you try. Right. Attendance goes up if your team is good. Nothing drives attendance more than a good team. The Dodgers are going to set a record for attendance this year. Yeah. Good. Because they tried. If the Yankees got Yamamoto, they probably would have set a record for attendance this year. Good. Because they tried. Could you imagine, like, the Yankees... Okay, so the Yankees and Red Sox are both faced with the same kind of question. Can you get the fan base back involved? The, the Yankees, Yankees answered Juan Soto. And, tr- and they'll probably make another move. The Red Sox answer has been nothing. The Yankees acquired a player so good that they missed out on Yoshino Yamamoto, and half the fan base is like, who gives a fuck, you know? We these are Yankee Soto. fans, by the way. Like, these are Yankee fans. Like, I want to clarify, this is the same people. These are the same people that complain about, like, these are the same people that p- complained for a little bit about letting Didi Gregorius go. Like, yep. you know what I mean? Like, this is the fan base that complains about everything, you know? I agree. It's crazy. Just- Again, I'm, you can call it big market bias, whatever, but the reality is the big market spending and trying to win can get people into the game of baseball. It's just the truth, and that's good. It doesn't mean that they'll be big market fans, but it does mean it gets more people to pay attention. Yeah. Speaking of, speaking of big markets, the Mets, you know, they pretty much based around their plan around getting Yoshinobu Yamamoto. Did not end up getting him. And now they're not really going to go for any short-term options. Sorry, any long-term options on the market. No Blake Snells, no Jordan Montgomery's, uh, Shota uh, Imanaga, another guy that's been floated out there. Ryan, they're a couple years away from probably competing, but how do they get to 2025? How do they get to 2026? Um, again, any team, just Montas Manaya, just throw it on a slogan, throw it on a sticker. Uh, I don't know. Um, but you know, I, I think they could benefit from again just taking those one year flyers in the free agent market. Um, you know, there's no don't force yourself to spend, be opportunistic buyers. Um, you know, I, I think a guy like Imanaga is going like I don't know what his market could I think the direction of his market's going up. He's also 30 years old, so it's like is he a part of your core? Like, I don't really know what he is. Um, and you know, he's actually a pretty good fit for city field, but right field, they moved in a little bit. So I don't know how the home run factor is there. I think Imanaga would be a perfect fit for like, I don't know, San Francisco. Like if San Francisco is trying to show to Imanaga, he would be a really good pitcher. I agree. Um, let's think. I mean, I think for the Mets, it, it's just, as you said, maybe take some flyers and chances. They already did that with Luis Severino. I think you're, it, it sounds wrong, but like you're getting pitchers that you hope you can trade at the trade deadline. Yeah. Yeah. Because 
the 2024 team probably not going to be competitive, but now missing out on Yamamoto, the best way to kind of keep on that track of 2025, 2026 Mets fans may not want to hear this, but trading Pete Alonso makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Like now if he's willing to sign a deal, that's like somewhat reasonable. Um, you know, that's fine. You know, like if they sign something reasonable, but like, dude, they should, I mean, if teams are willing to pay, like, I don't, I'm not saying Christopher Morrell is going to be great because the Cubs seem very like, Hey, well, we want to trade Christopher Morrell. It's very so, interesting that the, I do that think, the internal evaluation on Christopher Morrell speaks less highly than public perception. Right. Like I, I think that Christopher Morrell would make for a really nice second baseman though. Like his defensive second base seems to be solid and, He's probably going to be able to hit enough to be a second baseman. I mean, we're talking about second base. The average WRC plus, there's like 93. If you get a 110 WRC plus hitter out of that, that's a win. You know, that is a win. Um, now, maybe you could go for a higher upside player. Maybe you go for a pitcher, a pitching prospect. Somebody you could, they, they probably should go for pitching prospects. But, you know, the hiring of Grayson Crawford at AAA is huge because they have a lot of guys who are going to enter Syracuse and going to get to work with him. And that's a really smart guy. He came from the Yankees AA system. So if you're acquiring a guy who's maybe about a year away, right? Uh, or two years away, you get a guy who's going to, you know, be under the tutelage, a really smart guy, and this is a, a front office that's getting smarter. Those are the kind of moves that I think could end up producing some homegrown starting pitchers. And, you know, end of the day, you kind of just wait the markets out and see which guys come available that you want to sign and which ones you don't. Um, you know, they could be players for Corbin Burns. I, I actually think, because Corbin Burns doesn't seem like he's going to get traded and then sign an extension. That doesn't seem like that's going to happen. Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if you've gotten a different drift, Max, but I think Bort Burns is hitting the open market. Um, yeah, so Burns basically said he went on foul territory and said, I'd have to be blown away. Right. Um, so, yeah, he's not signing. So, also, he's a Boris guy, too, right? Yeah, so, I believe so. Definitely so, not. If signing. you're the New York Mets and you set yourself up with some young pitchers, you know, an example of a guy who could get maybe get like a Ben Brown or something like that. And he's able to, you know, be something for you next year. Um I mean, even if you're getting, let's say, Ben Brown and Christian Morrell, and you have your second baseman and like a five starter, and you know you have guys like Christian Scott, Mike Vassell, um, you know, Dominic Campbell coming up. You just need one of those guys to pan out. One of that group of the Ben Browns and them. You have Kodai Senga. Um, you know, you then get to add a guy like Corbin Burns to that rotation, and things look better, right? Like then that year, that year two team with David Stearns looks a lot is better set up. Um, and financially, who would you rather pay, Pete Alonso or Corbin Burns via the New York Mets? I mean. For the New York Mets, who do you need? Corbin Burns. Right? Exactly. That's all I'm going to say. My pitch to the New York Mets is, not that it's an either-or situation, but the Mets are not, like, the. I think the Yamamoto thing proves that the Mets are not in a position to, um, the Mets are not going to give, like, just $100 million more to a free agent. No, the Mets are trying to build, a, you know, a sustainable foundation. Stearns is attempting to do that. They're making a lot of, like, these really small minor reliever moves that are pretty good. Um again, as I said, they're just trying to find a lot of pitchers that they think they can trade at the trade deadline. And I think that's a smart tactic. Keep buying the farm, right? It's what they did with Verlander and Scherzer and fam to an extent, like just buying prospects and trades. You have Steve Cohen, like use that to your advantage. He has no problem footing the bill on prospects. He's not going to go outlandish for money on free agents and everything, but yeah. Um, it, it's just a matter of do you find the right pitchers and everything. So curious. I think, I, don't, I mean, listen, I don't think there are really any major losers from not getting Yoshinobu Yamamoto, but I think it clearly affected the Mets long-term the most. 
yeah, they don't have an ace. They needed an ace. The, this is a guy they could have built around. I think they're upset about it. They did everything they could. It they is did. what it is. Every like, team, listen. He just wanted the Dodgers. He just wanted the Dodgers. Every team did what they could, for the most part. The Yankees did everything they could. The, uh, the Mets did everything they could. Sounds like the Giants did everything they could, too. Again, the impression from people involved in the process is that he just wanted to go to the Dodgers and that he just, as soon as they were willing to give him the money, it was over. And you know what? That's okay. It's really all right. I think the Giants get Blake Snell, though. I think they give him a lot of money. And you know what? I think in that ballpark, Blake Snell makes a lot of sense. I think that yeah, that, that would be is, a great fit. It would be a really good move. Pair him with Patrick Bailey. <laughs> they signed Tom, they just uh, they signed Tom Murphy, so they're not going to sign Gary Sanchez. So Blake Snell's personal catcher is no longer going to be there. But uh, you know, I think San Francisco makes a lot of sense. They're historically pretty good with pitchers, though their pitching department, as I said, is a bit up in the air. Um, it is uh, very interesting to see that the Angels are in on Blake Snell. That doesn't make sense, like, at all to me. Maybe that team's a little bit better than I'm giving credit for, but they're also getting, like, see that people are calling about some of their fringe guys. A lot of your, they're like utility guys and yeah. everyday players. I, what are they doing, man? I don't know what's going on with them, man. Like, I, I just... I don't know, man. Like, I, what, I don't even... Like, what do you even... I'm just not even, like... I'm just impressed. You know, I'm impressed. Yeah, yeah, I mean. But speaking of the Angels, and given this time of year, when this releases, uh, Merry Christmas to everybody listening and have a happy holiday and everything. We wanted to be nice and give all 30 teams a holiday gift this year. Um, so Ryan and I came up with ideas for each team that are relatively plausible um, that... Uh, will be a gift to every team this year. And we went in alphabetical order of the team name. So we will start with the Los Angeles Angels. And the gift to them was Mike Trout being healthy for a full season in 2024. Yeah. So look, here's the thing. The Angels are a miserable team, a miserable watch, and even a super a supercharged up Shohei Otani, you know, Cy Young winner, Cy Young contender, you know, AL MVP guy. Uh, every single year being one of the best hitters in baseball, he could not drag them to above 500. So this isn't going to get them into the postseason, but it'll at least make the team watchable, give them something to watch for. Um, and that's the best we can really offer for Angels fans. We uh, deeply apologize. We we couldn't just, you know, we're not miracle workers, right? We're Santa. We're not. Uh, yeah, it, I, yeah. I mean, what's the second best option is that Ari Moreno actually goes through with the sale of the team yeah. eventually. I mean, that's probably the second best option here. Yeah, I agree. Like, I just like, no, but Moving on, for the Astros, something that they desperately need is starting pitching, right? Like, so we know they need starters, so why not have Hunter Brown break out and be that type of guy for them? He's supposed to be the next Verlander. Screw it. You know what? Let's make that projection happen. Max, what do you think? I, I like it. I mean, I think the Astros clearly really like Hunter Brown. They gave him a lot of opportunities and everything. Uh, with Joe Espada there, I think his role be a little bit more defined and everything. Good stuff. I think there's a good pitcher in there, and I agree with you. The Astros need some some kind of pitching. Their future is a little up in the air for probably the first time in this kind of run. Um, and I'm curious to see where they go, but I really like Hunter Brown, so I'm, I'm hopeful that he can uh, have that year for them. Uh, moving on to the athletics, 
much like the angels, there's really not a lot here. Um, that's, that's overall reasonable. Like, you know, if it were a perfect world, I'd just say that they sell the team and keep the team in Oakland. But unfortunately we, we both know that's not going to happen. And our listeners probably know that too. So uh, we went with a personal favorite of ours. Luis Medina shows promise with a solid season and throws 160 innings this year. He has uh, a really good sinker. He has good stuff. The stuff has always been good. It's just a matter of can he somewhat find the strike zone? That's really it. Like, can he find something resembling the strike zone? Not ask him to, you know, be a miracle worker. You know, just be just be solid, you know? Yeah. Um, 95 URA minus, that would be great. 95 URA minus, that would be stellar. That's a solid pitcher. Absolutely agree. Yeah, and for the Blue Jays, we have Vlad Jr. bounces back with a 140 WRC plus season. Obviously, he struggled a lot last year. Max, I mean, they kind of, I feel like they kind of need this in order to be taken seriously as like World Series contenders again. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of questions about the Blue Jays right now, especially if they, you know, they're supposedly the favorite for Cody Bellinger, much to the uh, chagrin of their fans. But also, like, if they don't get Bellinger, I mean, what do you do? How do you upgrade this team? Like, there's not really your farm's not really that good, and it's long term outlook is tough. You kind of need Vlad Jr. to bounce back. And plus that opens up a potential extension, which does extend your window a little bit. So, yeah, I mean, this is a, a gift that they need, like need, need to happen. Uh, moving on to the, the team down in Atlanta, Ronald Acuna puts up another MVP caliber season. This is uh, honestly realistic. There are a couple of different ones that we, we could have gone with here, but Acuna's awesome so i wanted to see him do it again to be honest with you like i'd love to see him seal 70 bases again i know that you know stolen base value and everything like that but dude it was really cool to watch no it would it was like and for the braves if if they get a, a season like that from acuna um you know obviously that puts you in a like a basic like i would say man he they're gonna win the division i mean i feel that way anyways but they're one hundred percent winning the division. Yeah, if he if he, he has that year again, then we're basically they're... giving you your your division. Congratulations, Correct. you just went to the NLDS. Uh, good job. Like we just guarantee you that. What we're such we're such good we're such good like gift givers, man. We're really helping. Yeah, we're really the baseball world. Does Santa need a replacement? I know a Jewish guy who could do it for him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not big and burly, but I do have a beard. <laughs> uh, you know, um, <laughs> but look, we're, we're generous. We've been very generous, I think, with these gifts. We've been very generous. Um, for the Brewers, we have Jackson Chirio wins NL Rookie of the Year. Now, here's the thing. The Braves, not the Braves. Wow. The Brewers need offense. The Atlanta does not need more offense. They have enough. Um, the Brewers do not have any semblance of good position players. They have Yelich, who's good, but and William Contreras has been very good as well. But nobody has been a dominant, like, you know, 130 to 140 consistent WRC plus hitter since Yelich regressed back in 2019. This is an opportunity to have one of the best position players in all of baseball once again. And look, if Jackson Chirio has like a four to five war season, which I think we're talking, you probably have to be within that range to win rookie of the year. You're going to get down ballot MVP votes. And depending on how the off, the offseason looks like for the Brewers, if they decide to keep Burns and kind of just go for it until the deadline, that's a, that's a playoff team, right? And if you're a playoff team, you're you're a World Series contender. Like that's that's my, that's how I view it, right? If anyone if anyone's like, hey, they're not a, they're a playoff contender, but not a World Series contender, then you don't understand the Major League Baseball playoffs. They have the pitching certainly. If they ever got healthy enough, they definitely have pitching to do it. 
um, and they can de develop pitchers. They're going to find guys. Like, I wouldn't be shocked if Aaron Ashby's a uh, solid pitcher for them this year. Um, and they have that other guy who throws, like, 100 from, like, a low slot. Uribe? You know? No, the other guy. Uh, he was in the uh, all-futures game. He has that slider, too. Jacob. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I know who you're talking about. Yeah, I don't remember he's... His name, but, yeah, he's gross. Yeah, so maybe we should give him $325 million over 12 years. Um, but with that being said, <laughs> look, if Chirillo's the NL Rookie of the Year, and again, I think you have to be about a four to five more player to do it, they're going to probably at least come really close or get to a playoff spot. So, again, kind of a situation where we're like, hey, Brewers fan, we're basically saying, hey, here's this gift where you probably make the postseason as well. Just We're just so good at this. So good. Moving on to the, the Cardinals. Now, we've the Cardinals' issues with pitching have been well-documented, but – they are big fans of Lars Newbar down there. Uh, and so we wanted to give Lars some love and say that he puts up a five-win season in 2024. Not an MVP candidate type year or anything, but a really good year for a team that could use kind of a, a dynamic superstar of that kind of young prospect core that they've had in years past and everything. Uh, and Lars is the guy. Yeah, I would. I'm gonna come out and say that Lars Newbar is, you know, one of these players that I also really like. So, you know, I would love to see a five war season for him. He is a very well rounded player. He just kind of needs the offense to click, which it's certainly possible. I think he puts up a one, you know, if he puts up a one thirty to one thirty five WRC plus, you know, I don't know if he's gonna be playing center field full time, which might hurt his WAR value. Um, but he certainly has an opportunity to be a really, really, really good uh, corner outfielder or again center fielder. He has that versatility. Um, and it kind of anchored this Cardinals position player core for a while. It's not like they're a bad farm system. They've kind of consistently been a pretty good farm system and have had, a, you know, quality talent in there. It's just a matter of, you know, if they can find, I mean, yeah, they still need pitching, but Lars Nupar, at least, you know, he helps you, put, he puts up a five wall a year. Um, he helps you anchor down that position player core for a while. So um, moving on to the next one we have for the Cubs, Reese Hoskins signed with the team and hits 32 home runs. Now, Max, you have so far accurately predicted that the Cubs might end up spending more on their manager than they did on position players or guaranteeing more money. And Reese Hoskins would still not get them across the council line. But if he hits 32 home runs for them, this team's going to be really good. He's somebody in the middle of their lineup that they sorely need. Um, you know, looking at all the things they do, you know, they, they need, all the things they do well, which is, you know, they've done well at developing some pitchers. They have a lot of guys with good hit tools. They just need a guy who can mash. And I think that Reese Hoskins certainly fits that profile really well. And of course, the need for a space help. I don't know what Matt Mervis is. I don't know if he's going to be anything going forward. Um, they need somebody who can play first. And that's kind of their only glaring weakness on the position player side of things. Catch is a little bit spotty, but good second baseman, good shortstop. Solid at third base. Maybe they need a third baseman. Um, but first base, certainly the biggest hole, I think, in their, in their lineup right now. And Hoskins gives them a huge bat. Yeah, Hoskins is exactly what they need. Um, you know, 32 home runs in the middle of that lineup. It changes the way the Cubs, you know, kind of like their outlook for the season, really. If they get Reese Hoskins to be a, a guy who can, you know, just bop in there, you look at them as, oh, right now, I'd probably say that they're a fringe contender for the division to like the favorite in that division. Um, so Hoskins is what they need. You know, again, long term options at first base and everything. Uh, not looking too good, but they never really gave Mervis a chance either. So their handling of Mervis was just very odd, uh, very uh, Oswald uh, Peraza-like <laughs> in terms of Yankees prospects and everything. Um, but I like Hoskins to the Cubs. I think it makes a ton of sense. And they also haven't done anything yet, and it's been an extremely disappointing offseason. So, yeah, they, they need to do something. And honestly, this makes sense. Um, 
moving on to the Diamondbacks coming off a World Series run. They've already had a very good offseason. Uh, Brandon Fott builds off his postseason success and has a low three RA, a three ERA over 140 innings next year. Fott showed some great stuff once he retooled to the one seam sinker, kind of retooled his arsenal and how he texts righties and lefties and everything. Showed a guy who could be actually a really good pitcher in this league. And I think he continues to build off that and gives the Diamondbacks a kind of like four-headed beast of Gallon, Kelly, Erod, and Font. And I think, man, that team is not a team you'd want to face in the postseason with that kind of roster, uh, pitching staff. Yeah, they're like Brandon Font is the difference between the, an Arizona Diamondbacks team that I think finishes top five in starting pitching war and like in the 10 to 15 range. If Brandon Fott is the pitcher that he can be next year, you look at a top three that has Gallon, uh, Kelly, and Rodriguez. You add Fott in there as like another good starting pitcher. And Max, this team, I think this team ends up being, you know, probably yeah, they're going to finish second most likely. Like, I don't think they're going to finish ahead of the Dodgers. I'd actually be very confident in saying that they won't finish ahead of the Dodgers in the standings. But, man, they could end up being one of the better teams in the National League. Be kind of like what the Phillies is. They, they could be the Phillies in the NL. And the NL, what the Phillies are on the NL East could be what the Diamondbacks are on the NLS, which is a team kind of behind a dominant uh, regular season team, and that kind of hopes to play up a little bit in the postseason. I don't know if that's a weird take, but do you kind I, of get the I comparison see, getting out I, here? You know what I mean? Absolutely, I could see that. I could totally see that. Yeah, like that's I don't know, like that that would be sick too. Like that would be those are two fun. Those would be those would be two fun divisional rivalries as well. And baseball kind of lacks that like those like juiced up rivalries in the postseason. I personally feel like like that. We kind of talked about this, like, but we 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 just talked about this. The ability to see big markets fall. You're gonna have over half of America rooting for the Diamondbacks, over half of America rooting for the Phillies every time they play. You know, I guess the Braves aren't a big market, but the people will root for the Diamondbacks against the Dodgers, and it'll be box office TV. If Shohei Otani pitches in Game One of an NLDS and the the Diamondbacks beat the crap out of him, or Otani shoves, those are both gonna be the most viewed baseball videos of the year, most likely. Until the Dodgers either A, get past the next round, or B, like, fall out of the postseason again. Um, but, yeah, like, that would be huge for them. Moving on to the Dodgers, um, we have Otani, Betts, and Freeman combined to hit over 100 home runs. Now, I think this might be even light. I think that the three of those players will combine for more like 120 home runs this year. I think we're thinking – I'm going to go – I think it's going to be crazy. So, coming up with this, I thought. I thought, oh, yeah, I mean, like, that's – 100 feels light. And then I saw Freddie Freeman only hit 29. And I was like, hmm. Exactly. Dodger Stadium is tough to hit home runs in. And Shohei Otani is coming off a Tommy John-like. Not super sure what type of the surgery was. He kind of was like super vague about that. That was really odd, by the way, the, the, his response to the surgery stuff. Um, but yeah, so I was like, oh, Freeman only hit 29 last year. Assuming like... He could hit more. He could hit less. He is getting older. Like you have to assume at some point regression starts to kick in maybe on the power numbers. Um, and assuming Betts doesn't have the same power output that he had a year ago, I felt like a hundred was a bit more reasonable, but they could totally do 120. I mean, they, they could average 40 between the three of them. I, I could see that. Yeah. I don't disagree. No, 100%. You know, like I, I think, um, you know, like I, I think that this would like I, I don't disagree with you being conservative. I'm just I'm I'm gonna go all the way. You know what I mean? I'm gonna I'm gonna go psycho on this. Gift gift them 120. Why not? Give yeah. the richer give, give the rich more power. Yeah, uh, you know, uh well wealth inequality in baseball. We are fans 
of capitalism in this yep. podcast. <laughs> uh, <laughs> moving, moving on to the Giants, uh, Logan Webb wins the National League Cy Young Award. We are big fans of Logan Webb on this podcast. Uh, I personally believe I would have voted for him first you know, for the NL Cy Young, and I think somebody else actually did, so sweet, good for them. Um, but Logan Webb, great pitcher. Giants, you know, I think they get Blake Snell. I think they get, they already got Jung Ho Lee. Um, but, I, you know, I think if they get Snell and Lee and, you know, one other, one other pitcher, I think that's a really successful offseason. I know that there's been a lot of discourse about San Francisco and that's a bunch of goddamn nonsense. Um, but Logan Webb, I think, I, if you gave people odds, I'd say he's probably the favorite right now, preseason favorite to win the Cy Young. Logan, there's one thing that Logan Webb does really well. Um, and lo- it's the fact that Logan Webb, well, not one thing, there are multiple things, but the one thing I love Logan Webb for the most is that when you look at innings pitch in 2022, he's number three behind Garrett Cole and Sandy Alcantara. He just throws, man. And he's, he's a dog. Great. He's so good. I love he's him dog. so much. He is, he is the coolest. Um, he needs a Cy Young. This is what would save the world. And uh, yeah, as you mentioned, you know, this guy's just really fucking good, man. He's just so good. He's so durable. He's so reliable. Great stuff. He's a uh, grown ass man. That is what I'm going to throws say. a ton of strikes. Gets people to just his his goal is the same as Sandy Alcantara and the same as Garrett Cole. I'm getting the ball and I'm trying to finish every game I start. Props to him. Love that. Yeah, absolutely. And moving on here, we have for the Guardians. Jose Ramirez puts up a six-war season that includes 30 home runs and 30 steals. Now, we know Cleveland has struggled with one thing mightily, and that's offense. They're going to need a guy, and Jose Ramirez has consistently been a great player for them, but he's going to have to continue to be a great player in hell. I might have to say he has to be a top three MVP candidate to help anchor that that Guardians offense. And Max, I mean, they need more, obviously. I think they're going to need a well-rounded offense, but if Ramirez gives them a six-win season, that's one hell of a start, is it not? I mean, they've they've made some moves that, you know, might work out and everything like that. They need offense. They need Jose Ramirez to be Jose Ramirez. Uh, It's just the truth. They need him to be what he's been in his career. I think we'll give it to him. I think he can do it again. Yeah, no, absolutely. I I just like, I know that. I know this is the type of player that I, I just, Jose Ramirez, I love Jose Ramirez. That's Great player, man. Love him. Love him he's, so much. He's he's approaching not uh he's approaching when not if territory when it comes to the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I he agree. Might, and he might already be there. He's he's the best. Best third baseman in baseball? I think so. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. Also Dominican. I love him. True. Um, speaking of Dominicans, for the Mariners, we are gifting you the AL MVP. It goes to Julio Rodriguez. Julio, uh, I think, finished fourth in MVP voting this past year, right? Um, and I think if you had to pick anybody that finished in the top five in MVP voting to you know, be in the top five or to potentially win the MVP, I think Julio probably has the highest odds. He had a great year. Don't see a reason that it won't improve. Um, again, he found struggle early, found that hot streak where he was just on fire at one point, and he kind of continued to build from there. Guy's a great player, super fun to watch in center field. And I think the Mariners are, are going to enjoy a, an MVP caliber year from Julio Rodriguez. Yeah, I, I mean, look, I'm not going to speak on what occurred in March with Mr. Julio Rodriguez. Um, we won't talk about that play. We won't. We will not. Um, but I will say this. 
He is a great player, a great talent, a well-rounded player, a high floor player because of his defense, which creates a higher ceiling. This is the type of guy that, yes, is going to compete for AL MVPs who can anchor that Seattle Mariners lineup. He's an unbelievable player, an unbelievable talent, and I certainly think he'll finish in the top three, at the very least, MVP voting once again. As for the Miami Marlins, Jazz Chisholm stays healthy for a full season. Now, if they get a, like a good year from Luisa Rise, if Jazz Chisholm can stay healthy, which I assume means he's going to play well as well. Um, you know, I wouldn't assume a 150 games of Jazz Chisholm is a 100 WRC plus. I think being healthy would make him just better, right? Like he would just be around more, you know, a 120 to 130, maybe somewhere in that range. Um, you know, you, I mean, you're going to have to bank on getting good seasons from guys like, you know, Jesus Sanchez, right? And you're going to have to hope that maybe Brian Vela Cruz finds something. But a part of, you know, we don't know if it's going to end up resulting in a good lineup or not. But what we do know is that any good lineup for the Miami Marlins has to include a good season from Jazz Chisholm. And for that reason, I think that this is one of the most impactful things that could happen to them next season. Absolutely agree. I think Jazz is super cool and super fun and everything. He's just got to find a way to stay on the field. And I give him props as the year went on. He found he started to figure out in center field. Like, there's a good chance he's a plus center fielder out there, which is just crazy to say, given how the whole situation unfolded and everything. But, you know, I, I think you're right. If the Marlins want to find any sort of shred of success, it, it starts and ends with Jazz Chisholm. Um, moving on to the Mets. There were a couple different ways here it could have gone and everything like that after losing out on Yamamoto. We'll stick with the pitching. We'll stick with the guy that we've already mentioned, uh, who we are actually big fans of on this podcast. Christian Scott gets called up in the second half and pitches to a mid-three ERA after getting called up. Yeah, I, so I, I like him. He's a good pitcher, man. Dude, Christian Scott is legit. I love Christian Scott. Um, you know, what he did for us. Uh, well, I say us to bring up to Roman Ponies. Let's go Roman Ponies, baby. What he did for the Roman Ponies was sick. Uh, his stuff is really good. This is the type of guy that I think you you like you, you want to be on the lookout if you're if you're a fan of, of pitching, if you're a fan of you know finding underrated prospects. Obviously, you're, the question with any you know pitching prospect is hey, how many innings do you get me as well? Like the stuff's great, awesome. Now what about the innings? I think that's kind of the order I go for when it comes to pitching prospects. You know, the stuff tells me how good you you can be. The innings tell me whether it's going to be as a reliever or a starter. I don't know if that makes any sense to you, Max, but like, you know, like I think that's like, I think that's the also the order of specific year too. You don't go innings to stuff. Stuff first. It's always stuff first, right? You stuff, kind of hope. Command innings. I, you know, I might even go as far as to say I'll take stuff and innings over stuff and command. I think when we're talking about what determines your role. Yeah. Command determines your role more than innings. Because- that's fair. Because That's if fair. you don't if you don't have command, you're gonna be a reliever. That's just you know what? That's just fair. the truth. But yeah, I mean Christian Scott's really good. Yeah. So I mean I I I like uh, shout out to the Mets. They hired Grayson Crawford, who was the pitching coach in Somerset, who had arguably some of the best numbers for any affiliate pitching staff this year, and they made him their triple A pitching coach. Great hire. Really, like you're putting like Christian Scott, Basil, the guys that we talked about at triple A. You could not have given them a better pitching coach to focus on their development. Crawford's going to be like a big league pitching coach in the next three years. And yeah, for sure. He, that's a great hire. Shout out to them. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, look, I will say this too. Um. You know, they are, I mean, that's the thing they need. Um. You know? They need pitching. Yeah. Yep. That's exactly if, what they if, need. If Scott's good, then that changes the outlook of that team quite a bit. For sure. Um, and moving on to another National League East team, we have James Wood for the Nationals, James Wood and Dylan Cruz debuting in 2024. 
I think that if Dylan Cruz debuts in 2024, that almost indicates, I mean, that indicates he had an incredible year at the minor league level, or maybe the Nationals just made a bunch of bad moves. But I don't think the Nationals would be the type of team to have a prospect go through double A AA and triple A if they weren't performing well. Like, you know, are they the Dodgers in terms of intelligence? No, but they're not, you know, they're not the Rockies, right? Like, I think that's kind of important here. Um, but end of the day, like, you get that type of season from Dylan Cruz, man, get a big year from him. He goes out and puts up big power numbers. That helps them a lot immensely for any odds of having a solid position player group this year. James Wood is a very toolsy prospect. If he hits his upper percentile outcomes, he could be a really good player as well. You know, sometimes you can just stumble into stars. And if you stumble into stars, it covers up a lot of your process issues, does it not? You know, like you kind of just got to, you know, you just got to stumble into them. That's really it. Like, I know that sounds dumb, but, you know, the reigning World Series champions hired Mike Maddox as their pitching coach in 2023. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not saying that it's bad to be not, up top of the line process, but sometimes you can mask it with just talent. You can get away with some things with just some talent. So yeah. yeah. Cruz and Woods are what? Two of the top five prospects in baseball. Like it's them, Langford, uh, Holiday and Curio. Right. I'd say that's your, I'd say that's your top five. Um, So if they debut something, Good, good things have happened. I think that's the implication of this gift is that good things have happened and that's why they're debuting. Yeah, exactly. We're basically guaranteeing good outcomes for them. Which is awesome. Um, for the Orioles, uh, your gift is trading for Dylan Cease. Uh, you need pitching. You were rumored that you were working on it at the trade deadline. You're going to go all the way. You're going to make that, that offer. You're going to include that prospect you didn't want to include. And you know what? going to work out for you because you're pretty good with pitchers and everything it makes the Craig Kimbrell signing look extremely strange um because you're good at building bullpens and having good relievers and everything and so trading for signing Kimbrell doesn't make a lot of sense but you make up for it by doing this trade with Dylan Cease yeah and I think this kind of I don't think this locks you in as you are 100% going to win the division next year but I think you put yourself in a much better position to win it. Like I think you you are certainly a lot better. I think you I would pick the Orioles to win the division with Dylan Cease. Maybe that's an aggressive opinion. I don't think it is like an aggressive opinion. Um, but like you kind of go from all right, Kyle Brash is your one to Kyle Brash is your two. When Kyle Brash becomes your two, is there a division that ha- is there a pitcher in the division that's as good of a number two starter? Even if the Yankees acquire Montgomery, let's say, like would you take Bradish over Montgomery? I would consider it. Would you take Bradish over Rodon? I would say that their median outcomes aren't too far apart. Maybe Rodon's ceiling is higher, but like, you know, you have to account for the fact that he just came off of a terrible year. Um, You push guys, like you just push guys down the rotation. I think that's kind of the big thing here. Um, When you make Grayson Rodriguez a three and a four instead of a two, I think that's big. That that changes a lot for you. So they have a great enough bullpen to kind of just figure out the innings after that and kind of get through the regular season. John Means is a good flyer to have. Dean Kramer was an above average pitcher in terms of run prevention and gave them 172 and a two-third innings. So... You know, if Dean Kramer, who is, again, you know, last two years has a 93 ERA minus and it has 298 innings pitched, you get that as your five starter. That's good. That's a playable rotation. That'll play. That'll work. good. That'll work. You know? So, Um, yeah. Yeah. Completely agree with you. Yeah. So, moving on here for the San Diego Padres, we have Fernando Tatis Jr. wins the NL MVP. Now, I keep mentioning this point, but this is mainly for the teams that are fringe contenders. Um or teams that are, like, good but want to be great, the Padres get a Tatis MVP year, and they're going to make the postseason, or they're going to contend for the postseason, most likely. Um, now, it's not impossible for a 
now knowing the Padres, it's not impossible for an MVP season to happen and for them their team to have like a plus 90 run differential and they finish like a game out of the postseason. But we're assuming that they don't have the worst luck in the world again. A Fernando Tatis, um, you know, MVP season, I mean, they're good. They're probably going to be good. And that'll hide some of their pitching issues. You have a great dominant offense. You can have an okay pitching staff and do that. I do think Michael King, Joe Musgrove, and Yu Darvish are an underrated top three. But yeah, you know, so I, I think this is a really good gift to give them. Yeah, I mean, Fernando Tessis Jr., first of all, I think he's like one of the easiest dark horse MVP candidates that we've had in recent years. Uh, dude was a platinum Glover in right field, just put up one of the better better defensive right field seasons we've ever seen. Um, and, you know, listen, if they want to move him to center field, like I wouldn't be against that. Uh, I think he could be a plus defensive center fielder out there. Uh, but, you know, the rumors are that they are interested in somebody like Harrison Bader, and that makes some sense for them. But, yeah, I mean, Tatis winning the MVP shows that they're clearly in the playoff hunt, in my opinion. Because um, if he's playing well, then things go well. We could have chosen, like, Manny Machado bounces back, but he'll bounce back. It's every other year with him. He's just weird like that. It's just how it goes. Um, Bogart's numbers ended up being roughly in line with what you'd expect him to be. Um, and you know, again, they, they, they traded Juan Soto. So, uh, I, I like, I think we could have gone like Drew Thorpe pitches really well or something like that, but Tatis winning the MVP just felt like the easiest call here. And also a, a, the best gift possible in my opinion, like he's going to win the MVP, man. That's tight. Um, yeah. for, the Phillies, uh, we have Zach Wheeler signs a four-year extension. The rumor is that they're trying to work on an extension with Zach Wheeler. It makes sense. I mean, what? Are there two pitchers better than Zach Wheeler in baseball nope. right now? I, my answer is no. I don't think there, there are. I, I think it's Garrett Cole and then Zach Wheeler. And that's it. Like I, I think those are the two best pitchers in oh, baseball. Because cool. you know what? Who are the two best guys? Who are the two most reliable pitchers to give you, you know, basically better than an 80 ERA minus over a significant sample? I would say it's Garrett Cole, Zach Wheeler, and Logan Webb. I'd agree. I'd, I'd say those are your safest bets. And you know what? I think you make the yeah. very easy case that those are the three best pitchers in the sport. I very agree. Easy case. Very much agree here. Um, and you know, I, I think that if you have those two guys locked up for a really long time, you've got an excellent job, excellent chance, um, of winning. I mean, how many games do you think they could win? I mean, you have an excellent chance of you basically increase the floor of every season you play. If, you know, if, if they give him an extension, they could look at winning 90 plus games a year for the bulk of that extension. Exactly. And that's, I think that's the big thing here. Um, and you know, moving on here now, this is a, t a, a team that's a, a tear down of the last few teams that we just talked about in terms of like playoff contention, but this would certainly help them be more exciting. And who knows, maybe this lets them have like a Cincinnati Reds type year where they're competitive. They're fun. Maybe don't make the postseason, but the Pittsburgh pirates O'Neill Cruz stays healthy in 2024, kind of, you know, similarly to jazz Chisholm where I'm like, if I was saying he's healthy, it's with the intent that the health will allow him to play better. If O'Neill Cruz is healthy, I'm assuming he's going to play well. So, I mean, this is a toolsy player. This is a player who's had dealt with a lot of issues. This is a player who, you know, when on the field has had his struggles, sure, but has also shown the ability to be, you know, a really talented, a really fun player. We know he has incredible raw power. He actually has the same birthday as me, which is fun. And, you know, in his career, 
in you know 410 play appearances it's a 106 wrc plus could that get better next year we saw strikeouts dropped on a lot i know it's nine games but that was interesting um the swing Max, decision started to get better as the year went on his first year too yeah like, first year was things rough, were improving but things yeah. were improving as it went on so i listen the raw talent there is insane don't think he's a shortstop like like not even a little bit but you know what stick him at third base or i guess you can't because he got hayes sorry Stick him at second or in the outfielders. Biggest second baseman you've ever seen yeah, in your ever. life, dude. That would be awesome. Um, he, he just doesn't have the range. So if he can get better at shortstop, then that certainly helps because it's always good to have a really good young shortstop on your team. Um, but more than likely, he's going to get put in the outfield. But just him being healthy, I think you can – low expectation is like a 115 WRC plus and, you know, 25 home runs and 20 plus stolen bases and everything. That's a three to four win player, man. Like that's a good yep. player. So just staying healthy is, is a really good gift for the pirates there. Um, moving on to the world series champs Rangers. Uh, I think we can all kind of guess that no gift is as good as winning the world series, but we'll give you Wyatt Langford winning the AL rookie of the year, because in all honesty, he's the best prospect in baseball. Yeah, um, so let's just run through his uh, minor league stats this past year. By the way, his first ever, like, he just got drafted. This is not like a player who's in their first full year after spending some time. Shout out Detroit, who we mentioned as like a fun team for yeah. passing on him yeah. because that made sense. Yeah, so 10 home runs in 44 games, 360, 480 on base, 677 slugging percentage, 199 WRC plus, more walks than strikeouts, destroyed double A, destroyed triple a he got better he was his best level was double a which is insane swinging strike rate was basically non-existent um projected for a 121 wrc plus in 2024 this is unheard of stuff for a prospect like this is unbelievable this is you know if he wins rookie of the year that means he's probably putting up a four to five war year as well could you imagine an outfield where you have garcia and carter at the quarters and carter carter could probably play i mean Dude, one of that I mean, we've talked about how the Yankees outfield has dramatically improved and gone from, you know, you know, what was it like 16th projected war to first. I, I'd have a hard time saying that the Yankees are better than that outfield. Yeah, I would. God damn. If I'm them, I would consider like, I think Tavares is a solid player, but like, could you like shop him for pitching perhaps? Absolutely. Like there is a team that will give up a legitimate arm. Would the Marlins, you think the Marlins would give up, let's say an arm for him? No, they have jazz in center. So no, perhaps not. not. But Um, the Padres Padres. I mean, would they, but would they trade an arm? I mean, they're pitching. I mean, they're, they're top end pitching prospects. So, you know, they have Thor. Right. But would they want to trade them? I don't think so. Probably not. Want to trade and willing and can trade maybe, but they might be willing to, to move on from, you know, a couple of guys. And at the at the levels, uh, upper levels, or, you know, the day the deadline. Let's say they're not great. You know, how, right? yeah. how willing are they to move? Like, hey, we're bad and we're losing money. Like, how much will it take to get Michael King? Yeah, it's you have to think that way. Yeah, you know, entirely possible. But yeah, no, definitely White Langford uh, raised the floor, raised the ceiling, and you know, bolsters their outfield depth and lets them be a little more aggressive on the trade market. Moving on to the race here, Ryan Pepiel has a twenty percent strikeout to walk percentage and over one hundred seventy innings. He'd be a bulldog, and he would either A, project very well for 2025, or B, be very good in 2024. Um, he, this is this would be a slip. Like, this would be, make them also, like, this. you would probably get similar value from that than you did from what Tyler Glassnell gave you over a shorter period of time. Because remember, Tyler Glassnell put up a 3.55 ERA. So I know that, like, I'm being nitpicky here, but I'm you don't, 
not that FIP isn't production because you it is technically a result stat, but FIP doesn't reflect as well in player value as ERA does in terms of like just directly what you got that season from that player. This would probably you know rival that value, and I mean Max, if they get the same value they got from Glass now from Pepiot, they're probably gonna remain pretty good next year. I don't know how good, but they remain a playoff contender, and that's all you need to be. Unfortunately, so but yeah, I mean Pepiot. He just screams a Yankee killer, by the way. Um, Absolutely. So, to, you know, listen, Pepio with a 20% strikeout minus walk rate over 170 innings, as you said, that either means he's projecting really well, which is they're doing something right, or he's having a really good year. And I think both could happen. I mean, I, this was a huge get for uh, for the Rays in the, in, the, in the glass now trade, which not super sure how much I like that trade for the Dodgers, but they did get Otani and Yamamoto. So it works out. Uh, moving on to the Red Sox. We've talked about their need for pitching, but I think this would be a better gift is if Rafael Devers finishes top five in the AL MVP voting. I mean, if he's finishing top five, then he had an absolutely monster season. And honestly, that's probably better than any pitcher that the Red Sox could get. Yeah, and he would also, that also means because his glove isn't great, that means his bat must have been absolutely insane. Insane. Had to had have had a great Like Jordan type numbers. Yep. You know, like that, and that would be huge for them. Um, their offense, they only put up a 99 WRC plus as a team last year. Their they offense, need offense, yeah. yeah they like still need to get a little better there. Um, they need to pitch more, obviously. They have a, I think they have a really good bullpen. They are also, like, again, like if they just signed a top... Now, technically, Montgomery's out there, so I'm not going to count them out of this. But if they if they acquire a frontline starting pitcher, they will contend for the postseason, I think. That's my take on them. That will be my take on them consistently. Um, But, again, another team that needs pitching... Reds, we give them a position player gift because we're, we're, we want to, you know, let's be real here. A lot of these teams we're talking about are, you know, not that they won't acquire pitching, but they're going to need divine intervention to get their teams to convince their owners to spend the way they need to. But Ellie De La Cruz puts up a four-war season. Now, Ellie De La Cruz was really strong defensively on the base path, which allowed him to, you know, have a lot of value. I understand he was disappointing with the bat, but, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean that he's not going to be a good player. Um, good players do multiple things, and... It's not just hit. Great players do more than just hit, right? Most of the time, unless you're Juan Soto and you're listen, Alvarez, you know? A four-win season in your first full season, that's a good That's a good year. I think the bat shows promise in the sense of a guy who hits the ball as hard as he can. He has a high ceiling, like an extremely high ceiling. He just needs to make better swings decisions, which he was starting to do, and he needs to stop putting the ball on the ground so much, which, again, he was starting to do. So... I don't think the full adjustments are there, but I think we can say, hey, you're going to see reasonable improvement here. Expect a good year. But in a couple of years, there's a good chance that we talk about Ellie De La Cruz as being a top five player in the sport. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And a four-war season would definitely be the right step in the right direction. Kind of like a Bobby Witt situation where it's like, all absolutely. right. It's a very, very yeah. similar situation to Bobby Witt. That's exactly, I think, the comparison that uh, we use to come up with this uh, gift for them. And it, listen, if that's the case, that's a huge success. Bobby Witt was really good last year. Um, for the Rockies, again, another team where it was a little hard to come up with. So we went with something kind of fun, and that's Dick Monfort responds to the fan emails again. Because, come on, man. That'd be fun. That'd be sick. There's not anything else really going for you guys right now. There's not really a player or anything. I could say Chris Bryant bounces back, but, like, yeah, who cares? Like, Dick Monfort, that'd be awesome. That'd be so cool if he was responding to people again. 
Dude, Dick Monfort was just casually like just talking to fans. Like I just like that was I, awesome. I, I it was like, so I, cool. It's so he's he's a one once in a lifetime type of person. You like will that. not. He's a Twitter troll, but an owner. It's incredible. It was God. awesome, dude. You cannot you cannot tell me that that wasn't cool, and it wouldn't be dope if he did it. No, it would. I agree. Just it, what a guy. It would be what so cool. Hey, dude. Um, moving on here for the Royals, you have Cole Reagans finishes top three in AL Cy Young race. Now, if they get this and they get you know. Lugo and Walker are similar to what they were last year. Um, and like, let's say Brady Singer's like a little bit closer to his 2021, 2022 self. That's one hell of a rotation. They're going to win baseball games. Now, be I'm better. not going to yeah. be, I'm not going to do the, are the Royals a sneaky team in the AL Central again? Not happening. Nope. No. No. Salvador Perez is still their catcher. Yeah. No, we're not doing that. Um, but what we will do is, you know, say, hey, can their pitching staff be like competent and watchable next year? That'd be fun um for them which would be hilarious given that they have historically not been very good with pitchers but you know props with cole reagan's that would yeah listen that hell of a fine for a front office that doesn't have a great reputation that they got cole reagan's for Rawls chapman uh, yeah. we mentioned it before but that was a great find for them man and uh, you know maybe you know if, even if you're not good you're gonna get something back for lugo or waka or both right those um, contracts are tradable very yeah, tradable exactly you know that'll that'll certainly make you a uh better that'll certainly make you Better farmson wise, and who knows? Maybe you swing together another kind of situation like the one you have with Cole Reagans. You found Cole Reagans because you signed a role to Chapman. Not saying you're gonna find Cole Reagans because you found you, you know you traded for Michael Walker or you signed Michael Walker or signed Seth Lugo, but you never know, right? You know, you, you never, never, never know. freaking know. So yeah, definitely like this one for the Royals. Uh for the Tigers, we have Riley Green gets MVP votes. Man, I like we talked about it when we had Rob Orr on. I really like Riley Green, he's super good. I mean, at one point in time, he was carrying like a 140 WRC plus over a pretty significant sample with really good exit velocity numbers, really good swing decisions, great quality of contact. Like if he stays healthy, man, and that's kind of the implication here, like that's a really, really good player. Yeah, the defense center field isn't good, but the defense in the corner outfield spots is good. So you like that. And Parker um, Meadows is going to be their center fielder, right? right? So that so, yeah. should help increase a little bit of his war value. Good base runner, as you mentioned. Um, you know, excellent swing decisions. Two nine, two, uh, 29% O swing percentage, 72.3% zone swing percentage. A dramatic improvement over 2022. This is a good player, Max. Like, this is just a good, good player. I think we're going to be very excited about what we get out of him in 2023, uh, 2024. And he's young. He's, he's entering his age 23 season. So it's not like this is an you know, age 25 guy. He's not beginning to enter his prime. Yeah, this, this is, a, is this is we're still a couple years this away. This is the year where you know he he breaks out, and then in 2025, you know this time next year we start giving him the hey, is he our MVP pick type of season? You know. Yep, Com- completely agree. I really like Riley Green. Absolutely, and moving on here for the Minnesota Twins, we have Pablo Lopez wins the AL Cy Young. Now, if you're Forbes, Pablo Lopez already has an AL Cy Young, Cy Young but um, you know he controlled quality of contact very well. His four seam fastball plays up despite you know below average shape. His changeup still remains an excellent pitch. He gets swings and misses at an excellent rate. He commands the zone really well. He pitches deep into games. You know, at first it looked like the Twins traded, you know, lost the Luis Arise trade to some people. Now it looks like they've won it, Max. They've extended him. He's going to be there below market value for a while. He is an ace. He's 27 years old. I mean, when you have this type of, when you have a below average ex Wobicon and 346 is not just below average, that's well below average. When you have a, you know, a strikeout rate of 29.2% and a walk rate of 6%, 
when you have a ground ball rate of 54, 45.4%. I mean, this guy is just excellent. His pitch repertoire is excellent. He's He can play well to lefties. He can play well to righties. This is just an excellent pitcher, Max. This is a guy with four plus, plus, plus pitches almost. Not, not four, that's a little bit much, but that perform as plus pitches. Um, I just, there's a love, a lot to love here. And man, the Minnesota Twins, look, it's a shame that they're shedding payroll because I feel like they're a team that I think they would have been, you know, if you they, if you could have added, let's say, just a Seth Lugo and kept a, a Sonny Gray, that's a good team. Like, that's a really good team. Unfortunately, you know, they want to cut costs, so we'll see how good they are next year. But Lopez, if he wins Cy Young, again, it's kind of like, if he's that good, it's hard to imagine that the team won't be that good, you know? Yeah, I mean, if Pablo Lopez is an AL Cy Young candidate, that division is still very wide open. Like, they can, I know they haven't had a great offseason and everything, but, like, they can still easily win. And if he's that good, there's a good chance that they do. Um, speaking of that division, um, when we were coming up with these ideas, we were talking about different teams and, you know, there was another team mentioned on here and Ryan was like, I wanted to do, give them divine intervention for their gift. And I said, no, I'm going to save that for the White Sox, but that's not very plausible. So we're going to go with the next best thing. And Luis Robert gets traded for the largest prospect return in a trade in baseball history. I know this doesn't sound great, but like, you got to trade Robert. You are. Hey, this is good for their future, I guess. Right. Like you, the question, and this is what I asked somebody else when it came to like Freddie Peralta. Do you think you'll be competitive by the time that contract's up? My honest answer is I don't. Like, I just don't see how the White Sox are going. No, to be they're not good. Right. They're just so bad. There's a good chance that they compete with the A's for the worst team in baseball. For a... They're terribly written. They're just terrible. They're just, they're so bad. Right. They've so, done some things I like this winter, but they're just so bad. So I'm giving you a gift and say they do something right in a trade and they get an in, they beat the Juan Soto package and they get the best prospect package re, you know return. I don't know from what team and I don't know who's involved, but there you go. Like enjoy, you know, having an actual like substantial future that you could build upon again. Yeah, <laughs> that's absolutely. Something, that's something I guess. We're trying. Divine, divine intervention was probably the right answer. <laughs> God save them is, is is the right answer for the White Sox. I'm I'm sorry, but like, uh, uh it's brutal out there. I, we, Jerry sell the team, I guess, is another possibility. Uh, I, I I don't know. I'll get you vodka or bourbon or something. That way you can drink away the pain of watching White Sox game. That uh, might be. Sox that man. might be the only thing. That, that might be better. That might that point. Yeah, man. <laughs> Uh, the last gift uh, to the New York Yankees uh, were a couple of different options we could have gone with here, but Carlos Rodon bounces back with a low three ERA over 180 innings pitched. We need this like so bad. He does this and we're like, the yeah, I mean, so listen, good. I don't know about the 180 innings part. I, I think that's actually like a little questionable, but the low three, three ERA, I think that's definitely doable. Listen. Yeah, I'll take low three. I'll take the James Paxton year. I'll take the James Paxton 2019 outcome. I'll take that. Like, give it, if he throws 180 innings, I'll say this: though. if he throws 180 innings, they're a really good team. A really good team. They need him to bounce back. Listen, if they had signed Yamamoto, they still needed him to bounce back. They need Carlos Rodon to be the pitcher that he's capable of being. Yeah, they need right that he now. was in 2021 and 2022. If he's that guy, the the entire outlook of that team changes. I mean, I still think that they're probably 
uh, betting wise, I think they're what the favorites in the American League. I wouldn't go that far, but like, I think if Carlos Rodon is this good, they are the favorites in the American League. They become the best. Yeah, I know. I, I agree with you. They get that outcome 100%. Like, I don't even, I'm a biased Yankee fan, sure. But if they get that outcome 100%, I think they'll win the AL East. Yeah. I mean, if Carlos Herdon can be Carlos Herdon, they're a way better team. Um, I hope every, you know, the fans of every team listening to this enjoy their gifts and everything. And we thank you very much for joining us uh, this week. Uh, Ryan, thank you very much for joining me. We want to, I want to wish you a, a Merry Christmas and a happy holiday. And to all of our listeners, a, a Merry Christmas and a happy holiday. Remember to uh, call your fan, friends and family and let them know that you love them and everything. Holidays can be difficult for uh, people. And so it's always nice to hear from people that you love them and everything. We will be back. Uh, I think what we'll be back when it's uh, not quite the new year, but it'll be uh, it'll be pretty close if I remember correctly. Yeah, I don't know, but but potentially on the <laughs> how things go, uh, we could be releasing uh, the next episode in the new year. So hopefully the new year brings you good fortune and everything like that. But you know we'll let you know. But thank you very much for listening. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast, and uh, we will see you soon. Thank you.